Welcome back to the Think Education podcast. Uh, my name is Chris Hill. I'm joined today by Dr. Paula Sanderson. And today we're going to talk about T&E in a, I think, quite an innovative and reflective way, um, largely based on Paula's uh, recently completed doctoral thesis and indeed her, her you know, in-depth experience in the field of T&E. Uh, Paula is, I think, in a sense, you're, you're one of a small group of us who actually have worked in T&E and write on T&E at the same time. And it's, it's not, you know, not always, uh, not always the case. Um, Paula currently works in consultancy and interim leadership roles. Uh, as of today, she uh, is placed, I think, physically as well as digitally, right, um, uh, as the COO in Middlesex. Um, she's held chief operating officer roles at Queen Mary University of London, SOAS University of London, University of Reading, Malaysia, as well as senior operations roles at the University of Sydney and University of Exeter. Paul is passionate about data-led strategy, positive change agent. She's committed to developing excellence in professional services and to the contribution of professional services to student outcomes and in supporting research, innovation and knowledge transfer. And that's something we're going to talk about, the, the role of professional services and the professionalism within, within T&E. Uh, with a background in internal and performance audit, Paul is a fellow of the Association of Chartered Certified Accountants and holds a sustainability-based MBA from the University of Exeter, a Master's of Tertiary Education Management from the University of Melbourne, um, and indeed also a DBA from the University of Bath. Uh, her doctoral research looked at governance and ethics in transnational education, and Paul's undertaking her executive education at the Harvard Kennedy School and is a member of the Harvard Kennedy School Women and Power Network. So, Paula, it's a, it's a great pleasure to, to have you on the podcast. Thank you for, for giving up time in your, your busy schedule. Um, I wonder maybe if to start you could just um, give a bit more flesh to, to what it is that you're, you're currently working on. I mean, last time we spoke in any detail, it was, you know, I guess a world away and a lifetime away for you, given that it was your, your doctoral viva and, and now you've, you've, I guess, gone back to um, professional life. I mean, you never left, obviously, but, you know, it's obviously your world has sort of shifted a little bit. Yeah, so this is a bit more relaxing by way of a meeting than last time we met, Chris. Yes, yes. Um, so, um, you know, Chris was my external examiner on my viva. Um, yeah, so at the moment, we're just, you know, we're moving into the summer uh, period here in the UK. Uh, so uh, graduations are over uh, and we start the busy work that lots of professional staff do in the background over the summer, really. Sorting out the estates for next year, um, preparing for A-level results, uh, for confirmation and clearing. Uh, and all of that kind of, you know, slightly, slightly slower paced, but not much slower paced stuff. Um uh, you know, I have a bit of a, um, a, a hybrid role, so I've also just finished a fantastic piece of work working with Halpin, um, looking at the UK sector response to the crisis in Ukraine, which has been uh, a really interesting piece of research and actually had lots of unexpected parallels with, um, with my doctoral research. Um, and I'm doing a bit of leadership um, development work with a brilliant organisation called Olg Agar, that work on culture change and we're doing some work in university leadership teams um, looking at how we adapt for quite a challenging environment. Ah, fascinating. So um, a bit of a mix. Bit of a mix, yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's really interesting, the, um, this notion of culture change, because you, know, you and I have worked um, in various places around the world um, 
and therefore have experienced <laughs> varying operational systems and cultures and, and in some cases um, a, an attempt to replicate you know, one cultural um, approach abroad, um, uh, sometimes successfully, sometimes unsuccessfully. Yeah. And, and I mean, this, this was something that really, I mean, I was fascinated when I read, read your thesis and I, and I do hope it gets, you know, published in, in as many areas as possible because um, this sort of issue of culture, both culture in the, I guess, the, the, the big sense of the word, but also, you know, working culture, institutional culture, um, and that very much underpinned by professionalism and, and, and training. And, and I mean, it, a lot of that, you know, coming out of thesis, which, you know, hopefully we're going to get to, to talk about. Um, would you mind maybe just giving, say, a brief synopsis of, of your thesis so that we can sort of set it in, in context, please? Yeah, yeah. So, so actually, let me start with why the thesis. So um, I started the DBA when I was um, Chief Operating Officer for University of Reading, Malaysia, uh, and actually had intended to work on a slightly different space, as most of us, I'm sure. Sure, do. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, but actually it was in observing the really rich and diverse culture in Malaysia and how that played out in practice um, that I change the topic of the thesis so uh you know the thesis looks at uh transnational education through a post and decolonial lens um so really challenges some of our <clears throat> i hope challenges some of our thinking about how we interact when we cross national borders um and put ourselves into those new spaces including you know some really difficult ethical challenges some complex i think human rights challenges um, uh, but also some really challenging, you know, leadership decision making processes and, and comes up with a framework through which we might think about those things, hopefully before we enter new <laughs> markets or, you know, we work in or, or revisiting some of the spaces we work at in, because I think a lot of, a lot of TNE does not arm particularly the teams that establish uh, new ventures with the right skills, experience, the right frameworks for thinking. Um, before moving in, you know that we produce brilliant business plans, but they well sometimes they're not brilliant. But we produce business plans, and they focus on the finances and the operations. And I don't think they're the complex areas. Once you you will know this once you're on the ground, um, working, living, trying to establish a space that's you know as fantastic for students in that space as it is for the UK. And those things are not necessarily the same. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So having There's sort lots of, in that, isn't there? There's yeah, lots of <laughs> there, there are. I was having uh, sort of that combined uh, fond memories and PTSD of, of time on a on a branch <laughs> campus. Um, it's funny because one of the things, I mean, there were. You know, I don't mean to be um, dismissive here, but there, there were many elements of the thesis that I found um, both really familiar. Um, as if, you know, you were talking about the life I led and the life I know colleagues led and, you know, the experiences that, that we had. And, and in, in that sense, it made me realise, you know, that or I further realised that, that there's a shared understanding for those of us that have worked in T&E, even, even though the cultural constructs of each country are, of course, massively distinct and, and diverse. There is a sort of a, a shared DNA, I guess, of, of, of 
people that have been through through some of these experiences. Um, but one of the things that struck me, and I'd never really thought about it in that way before, and I wonder if this is why the the sort of preparation level or the training level is is lower. You made the point, um, obviously very, very well supported and, and, you know, thinking about, you know, literature, about the issue of space and, and, and what space looks like. And when I'd been, when I worked in a T&E operation um, in, in Malaysia, you know, the, as indeed are the T&E operations here in Dubai, you know, the, the, the concept was, we want it to look exactly the same, right? You know, if we've got a particular type of furniture that we use in, in the home campus, we want that there, or we want the same wallpaper, or we want the same clock tower or lake, or, you know, we want it to be visually the same. We want it to feel the same, such that, you know, like the McDonald's concept, you're, you're in one, you're in one, you're in one, right? It doesn't yeah. really matter what the outside looks like. And that had always been part of the, my understanding of, of the way t was built, right? It was the... We had many conversations amongst colleagues that, well, can the experience ever be identical, right? For, for, for instance, England to Malaysia, there's a temperature difference, right? There's, there's a, you know, just on a pure basis, you know, we have things that you don't have in one, in one country. And as you know, the, the Southeast Asian expression, same, same, but different, you know, which kind of is what you aim for, where you've got equivalency of quality Samasam. assurance, but Samasam, yeah, but you don't have the same. And, and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about you know, your analysis and reflections on this, because the findings that you, you had and the analysis you presented about this issue of, of space and how that's actually not always welcoming and that might actually be a barrier. I, I found, I found a fascinating and made me think about it in a completely, you know, different way. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, I thought about for the, you know, the literature piece shines um, work on physical manifestations so you know how you sense and feel uh, and create um, uh, an impression from space the minute you walk in and I think that's probably what universities are trying to do we're trying to create that deep sense of you know academic connection back to the home campus but I don't think that is particularly welcoming and it's also not particularly always fitting and conducive of the environments in which we're now delivering learning um, so, you know, one, one of the things that made me laugh, I'm really sorry, colleagues at Newcastle, but is going to one of our Newcastle colleagues graduations um, and, you know, people were wearing, I'm going to get the wrong name, but, you know, the large black fluffy beaver hats uh, as, as, you know, just thinking this, this is not, this is frankly not Malaysia and the students here are largely local students who, want, who are connecting their own history, history, culture and heritage to their sense of learning. Um, but, but, you know, and again, at Reading's campus, um, you know, more or, more or less, actually the basis of the design was that massive green space in the middle and yeah. thinking about the green space uh, on the Reading campus, which is quite laughable in 30-something degrees. Um, it's a beautiful building, but that we were trying to replicate something, uh, I think, is in many ways, you know, hostile to students who... Um, cannot see themselves, cannot reflect themselves, cannot um, have a sense of their own identities uh, as, as they walk in. And the work we're doing in the UK now around developing spaces of belonging, you know, we have that awful phrase, the sticky campus, don't we? Mm. Uh, which is about bringing students in and wanting them to connect and feel a sense of, you know, deep belonging to their environments. Well, we're doing exactly the opposite by creating 
replicas of our spaces uh, in 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 different environments, in environments where they don't fit. It's very colonial. It's exactly what we would have done in uh, in a past era to try and recreate what made us comfortable. Um, those things around us that make us feel connected and that we're still at home, but don't necessarily work for students. I mean, it really the bit that really. Um, you know, in all of the reading, uh, Homi Baba's work on mimicry. Now, you know, Baba is not necessarily easy to penetrate, <laughs> but um, in that sense that we're trying to do the same but not quite as well, I think really stood out for me, as in, you know, in, in Baba's um, literature, y- you wanted, in, in a colonial space, you wanted people to mimic, you wanted um, the spaces in which... The, the particularly the British colonial era, you know, the spaces in which people sat, uh, you wanted people to mimic because that's flattery, isn't it? Mm. You didn't want them to be quite as good. Mm-hmm. You didn't want them to be quite as good as you were. And I guess that's what I, you know, I can remember feeling that as I worked in Malaysia. I can, you know, remember the ceremonies completely replicating the UK ceremonies and how foreign that was for um, people who, who were entering the spaces and that real balance between wanting to pay respect to academic tradition, but actually putting people in an uncomfortable space that we were comfortable with and the people we were there to serve perhaps weren't comfortable with. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, I mean, I think it's a fascinating debate because I think it's easy to make the argument on both sides, right? Um, irrespective of, oh. of what you, you know, because, the, you know, we we often and perhaps you had the same the same experience in Malaysia. We often felt that we were recruiting parents more than we were recruiting students. Yeah, and and therefore we were often recruiting to this perception of what was in in, in my case a British um, uh, university. And obviously that word perception is is problematic anyway, particularly when you're talking about post colonial. Um, legacies or, or even shared relationships between country A and country B. And, and, you know, so often it was, we'd get this, do all academics look like X? You know, um, we expect a British academic yeah. to look like, well, I mean, it's, it's effectively a white male, right? At that point. And you say, well, actually, yeah. no. I mean, if you go to essentially any British campus, you get, varying levels of diversity, depending on perhaps where the campus is located. But, you know, you, you certainly don't get homogeneity. Um, and that, in essence, is the British university experience. And so almost we were attempting to replicate a colonial experience, <laughs> but without, being, without wanting to do that, of course. Um, well, you assume, right? But, um, and so it, it's, it's kind of all mixed up with you want to demonstrate quality you want to demonstrate tradition you want to demonstrate you know because that's what you are and that's who they want or at least think they want which is another conversation think they want. um yeah and uh and yet that's not a reality um no and um and i think what we see you know certainly what i i've seen over time is universities establishing campuses with a core team that fundamentally are you know white in this context british Mm. uh, leadership teams and over time that changes doesn't it over time that 
that is more embracing of an international environment. So actually, you know, I can remember an argument we used to make in Malaysia an awful lot was where I think, you know, controversially, I think the ministry was looking for a team that replicated, it could manifest quality as in we want, we see quality in the British education system and therefore we want to see that replicated. Um, and what we would frequently say is, you know, that the diversity of our international staff um, on the home campus uh, is now being replicated here. Yes. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's broad and that's deep and that brings all of the um, richness and intercultural competence that we know that students need uh, in a increasingly globalised world. So, but, but I think sometimes the pressure came from both regulators, you know, the idea that quality is tied up with something that's that's physical rather than quality is about the rigour of the academic process. Yeah. Um, and, and those things became muddled because it's easier to look and see. Sure. You know, it's easier to look and see something, either a curriculum that's identical, whether it's right or not, people that look and feel like you would expect in your, you know, you would expect, not in reality, yes. to see in that institution. And But in some ways, we reinforce that by making those spaces look same as the spaces that we have yeah, at yeah. home. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, you know, to think about which, which part is driving which. I mean, you, know, you mentioned about regulatory, which is, you know, is a critical point. You know, if you can't run a degree or you can't run a module on a branch campus that doesn't exist on the home campus, that sets a, a certain expectation of standard, right? That sets a replication. Yeah. Right? That, that sets a you know, we, we believe your quality over there, if you can run it here, then that's great. Well, can we create something here based on the expertise of perhaps locally hired or, or regionally hired expert academics? Do you run it on the home campus? Well, well, no. Well, then, no, you can't. It's not, it's not real. It? Yeah. Yeah. In, in almost all of the regulatory regimes, um, that certainly that UK universities work in, that, that is still a clause, that's still an absolute clause in the conditions of, um, of registration of new programmes. And again, I think what you see is brilliant adaptation over time. Sure. So, you know, once the academic community comes together and look at and understand, it, it adapts, but that opening bar is it has to be the same. And what do we mean by the same, Sama mm. um, Sama? Do we, do we mean you know, word verbatim, module by module, this has to be the same. And actually, to get through the um, accreditation processes, I think probably most people do mean that yeah. at the opening. Um, certainly, you know, I'm, I don't know if you would have had the experience of, you know, programmes going back through accreditation where they looked for exactly those elements of replication. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and yet it doesn't work. And it's not as, you know, I, I think some of that was really glib. We'll change the case study so it... Yeah. It doesn't say Tesco's, it says Aeon or... Yeah. It, it, Although, it, ironically, it, there know, were Tesco's in Malaysia, so actually that might have, that might have yes, worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or at least there was one, there was one in Slangor, I think, yeah. Um, yeah. But, but you, can, you can understand the regulatory's perspective, right? Because it's a case of, well, hang on, it's not that we're, we, the government, are paying for, but in essence, we, the government, are, are allowing you know, this foreign provider in, we want to make absolutely certain that it's the same yeah. as the quality. And to do that, we want parity, right? And, and therefore, it's easier just to say, yeah. bring it. And, and so, but I mean, I think that's potentially understandable, or at least 
you know, in the early stages of TNE, you know, I mean, 20 years ago, right? Where, you know, regulation yep. was what regulation was. Um, whereas now, you know, host nations are so much more powerful in, in their own right. Um, in many cases, they're exporting their own education abroad, you know, and they are, they are highly, and thankfully, they can be highly selective about the programs and the providers they allow in such that it aligns to, you know, national strategic objectives. And therefore, you should be thinking about, one should be thinking about, you know, capacity building. And, and that example we gave, rather than bringing it from home to, to host, why can't you develop a, a degree or a program in, in the t and provider host and send it back to the home? Like, you know, why don't we have that type of, of knowledge exchange? Um, obviously, we do oh, in some cases, do- clearly, but Wait. not enough. But- but that's within our um, that's within our power and our control. So no no one's preventing us from sure. taking the learning in those places and bring back other than us. And I think you know we still don't see enough, do we? I, I mean, certainly you know here at Middlesex we've got a, a very large, I think the largest UK campus in Dubai, um, and we're really starting to focus on that. What's the learning um, in Dubai that we can bring back? The quality. Uh, of teaching is exceptional. Um, controversially, I'd say more exceptional in spaces than we have on the UK campus. So how can we bring that and learn and really make that a two-way process? Um, I just think it's taken us a long time to get here. Yeah. And actually, you yeah. know, if, we're, if, we're, if, if we started talking about culture, if, you know, if we are preparing um, students, learners for a more globalised world, surely that intercultural learning is an, should be an absolute focus. And surely that's one of the, the, the biggest strengths, the biggest advocacy for TNE is that it allows us to open up, to think, uh, to challenge our own assumptions, to really understand what it means to live and work in a, in a globalised world. And yet we're probably the barrier to that. Yes. And... We can sort of add on to that another layer of, of, I don't know what, where if that could be the primary object, or at least one of the primary objectives of TNE, <clears throat> you know, and maybe alongside the sort of demonstrating value to community and society. But what we know TNE does not do is make money particularly well. Yep. And, and so if, if it's not being entered into this massive financial return, and we're not actually doing the things that we could do that would actually make it really beneficial. <laughs> you start to think about, well, what's, what's really the, <laughs> the point fundamentally? Because it's certainly not about recruitment, right? It's not, about, it's not really about student mobility. If it's not really about knowledge exchange, it's, I mean, and it's not really about rankings, right? Because it's not, you know, it's not... It's not included. Um, really, it's not included you know, in most of the rankings. In fact, you know, it's a bit of a loophole, isn't it, still? Yeah. You know, our... The, Tariff entry doesn't come back to play out in the league tables. I think, um, you know, we're seeing, we're certainly seeing the UK regulators, so the OFS looking much more carefully yeah, at yeah. partnerships, including TNE, so looking at B3 conditions, etc., as they relate. And I think, um, you know, whilst I have really mixed views, well, quite strong views that B3 is a blunt instrument, I think the fact that the whole of provision should be reviewed uh, for quality is the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just... I just—it's the measure that I, you know, the, the blunt measure that I I disagree with. I mean, I was as we were talking, I was reflecting about that learning, 
And actually, one of the biggest examples um, I can think of uh, around learning relates to the, you know, the way in which my team's professional services teams works. So virtually all professional services on the campus, on, on new campuses, do come from the local environment. Yes. We tend to take, you know, we tend to take the academic community um, from the home campus and we recruit locally. And I can say, and I hope some of my Malaysian amazing colleagues are listening, you know, the professional services team that I developed in Malaysia was by far the most professional, the strongest, the most student-focused team that I've ever had the joy to lead. Um, you, you know, I, I stay connected with them. They're doing brilliant things. But they just approached with a, you know, a can-do attitude uh, and understood truly and deeply what they were trying to achieve for students in a way that I think at home we have quite a long way to go. Malaysia so, bullet. You know, no discredit to my amazing colleagues in the UK too, but that team was just passionate, focused, understood understood the value of supporting academic colleagues and the value of supporting students in a way that I think we are still having to adapt and culturally move in the UK. Um, so incredible learning, incredible learning. Yeah, no, I mean, and I, I would agree. The, the, the team I worked with um, in Malaysia too were, were fantastic. Um, hampered and yet not allowing it to get in their way, but hampered by the fact that, you know, in many cases, our professional services staff had never been to the UK, right? So they, yeah. they uh, either for education, um, most of that might have been local or regional, or indeed to work, you know, so in, in some cases, you've got marketing team, for example, marketing a British university through the material, but with no perhaps, you know, physical understanding or, or mental or ideological or even emotional connection to what, what it would have been. And so coming back to your point about, you know, well, what is it that they're actually talking about, you know, and why can't they then talk about it in context? Well, you can't because it doesn't match the material, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that's not the, the, the on-brand message perhaps. Um, but, you know, um, yeah, no, professional services um, was a fantastic aspect. Uh, it, it's curious, though, I mean, maybe we can come back to this, this issue about training and the development of professional services, because I, I had a really interesting, when I moved to Malaysia, I, I had come from an academic world um, and was, was then, I think, thrust into the role is probably, probably right, you know, of, 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 <laughs> yeah. of, of a director level. No, I mean, at the beginning, I was the director of a department that was me. You know, so it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, um, you know, I built the furniture, I did the photocopying, I met the minister, you know, I did, I did all, all the bits in between. Um, um, and so was able to fail and learn and, and, you know, have that space to grow. And that's, that's obviously enormously, enormously valuable, but I wasn't, wasn't provided with, certainly not with managerial training and certainly not with sort of intercultural competencies. I was given the opportunity to receive psychological support, um, on the return to the UK campus. That's fascinating. Which is, I was, I, I never took it up because I never returned to the UK campus. Like many T and E people, I just kept moving, <laughs> moving on. But um, yeah, you know, and uh, and many of my colleagues were similarly from the UK campus moving out. You know, we we weren't. You know, perhaps if you came from a business background, you you had a greater understanding of of you know, uh, perhaps. Um, certainly, you know, some of the colleagues I worked for um, were very, very good at this. Um, you know, Christine Enu in particular, um, 
she's amazing, isn't she? Um, and yeah. uh, and uh, indeed, my 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 boss at the end, Graham Kendall, who had come from industry, and yeah. you know, was and yeah. therefore perhaps didn't think like an academic, but also thought like an academic, and so was you know a wonderful boss to be able to learn from and and and. Yeah, you know, and he, he had a, a much greater understanding, you know, from, you know, um, from that, certainly much more than I, I did or ever would. So, yeah, I mean, what's your, you know, having been on, on both sides of whichever ocean we're talking about, right, within the T&E world, um, what's your, your reflections on, on this, on training within, within professional services? Or, or, yeah, or, or I mean, leadership I think, even, I suppose, more broadly, yeah. right? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think full stop, we don't prepare colleagues ourselves you know well for those new environments that um, I mean in quite you know you you talked about the, the step in leadership is often huge because you know and I think it's actually Chris that had so you know one thing I really valued in Malaysia is that the um, we would call ourselves the UK five and we would come together and share ideas and talk and provide a bit and I think you see that you see that in this group of TNE now, people who study, who also work in, who we support each other, don't we? Yes. But yeah, we yeah. probably support each other because there is not the, there was not the infrastructure to support us um, when we first entered these environments. I think, you know, the step up in leadership is significant for most people. Um, so you are generally going from, it was Chris who said to me, you know, you've got people with these amazing entrepreneurial mindsets they're the people who want to enter into new spaces explore new you know um but do we equip those people with the right skills experience etc and i i think absolutely not um so there's there's definitely the leadership aspect i mean i in malaysia i the team from melbourne over the lh martin team to help to do leadership development work they were fabulous they understood what it meant to work in different geographies they were working actually with um the ministry to help uh, in malaysia to help develop leadership capacity in the next vice chancellors so we did some brilliant work um with them but i think people were not well equipped and not well equipped to move into what was a real multicultural space you know there are already equalities challenges within Malaysia within access to education for different ethnicities, races, that replicates itself in the employment world. Uh, and that's playing out. And those are not things that you're naturally equipped to do. Um, so, you know, I, I came from Sydney. Um, so I was working at the University of Sydney uh, to Malaysia. Um, and so I think I probably thought that because I hadn't come from Reading, because I was effectively a, an international or a local appointment, I'd missed out on some of that training and development. But I think it just doesn't exist. I think we don't know how to do it. We don't do it well. Um, and then, you know, you have a group of people who are just working as best together as they can to address what are really complex challenges. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm thinking, you will know this, some of the tensions between the different ethnic communities um, in Malaysia and how they play out on your campus. Um, they're really complex areas, really complex areas. And I think we just need to do an awful lot more. I think that notion of intercultural competence development, it's something I am absolutely picking up in the next stages of my research. You know, I'm hungry to learn, hungry to understand from people. 
what would help and what would make the environment better. And I think that just starts with good intercultural skills and communications development training mm-hmm. sessions. Um, but I want to know, I want to hear from people and understand what what would support in that space. And do you know what I think is really interesting is when that, you know, if we think about UK priority countries for expansion of TNE. So despite all of the things we've said about does it make money, does it, we continue. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a real motivation. For me, that's about social mobility. Mm-hmm. So even when I think about being a country that the ethics are challenging, etc., I, you know, I deeply believe social mobility is international. It, it's not something we don't just widen widen access in you know in the UK. That doesn't fit in my ethical frame. So what what are the if we look at those you know those five countries you know that's Saudi, that's Vietnam, Indonesia. That's that's a whole different set of learning. Yeah, yeah. Um, and are we Thrust a new group of entrepreneurial um, teams into those environments without preparing them well. I don't, you know, I think that's that's immoral. <laughs> so more research in that space is absolutely, you know, what I want to yeah. work with colleagues on. I mean, it's not just absolutely immoral, and 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 frankly, what is it? The definition of, of madness is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. But I mean, even from a, a university's you know internal perspective, it's highly inefficient, right? The the chances of, of of any types of sustainability or growth are you know much more limited. Um, I mean, it's funny because we, we you know these the point you were making, you know, just about even sometimes just about awareness. I mean, and and the the racial complexities in certain countries and the and the way they are. Inst- literally institutionalized or, or, or legally, you know, protected, you know, and, and things that you, you can ask in one country that you obviously can't ask in another, you know, and, and being on hiring panels in Malaysia and, and think, well, we can't, you, you can't ask, you can't ask that question. No, yes, you can. You absolutely can. It's legal here. And it's a requirement that you ask it here because the HR systems are run by the joint venture partner. And that is a national system. You know the UK and academic gender. They, it, okay. it, it, we're, we're pointing at difficult gender questions, aren't we? Difficult yeah. questions around women's pensions, and you know it's really hard stuff. Yeah. How do you navigate? Yeah. Um, you know those areas which uh, our equalities legislation would say uh, are absolutely not to you know to be protected. Uh, not to be explored with your teams, etc., and yeah. in a in a different context, they're absolutely to be explored. Um, yeah, incredibly, incredibly challenging. And you know, the, the, in the research, clearly the area that played out most was um, the LGBT community rights and expectations. And I think, you know, it's an area that we all um, navigated relatively well, um, but that we navigated quietly and through our own learning and another area that we were ill prepared for so you know how do you support staff from the lgbtq community that come to work in those environments and choose to come to work in those environments and what protections and rights do you help put put around them and then for students you know how again it was a really interesting area because what most people said is um, it wasn't enforced on our campuses, you know. And is that except, you know, th- those local um, uh, beliefs and um, le- 
legal frameworks, etc., were not enforced on campuses. Um, however, it, does that make it okay? You know, it, it's the area I find most difficult, uh, and I'm, you know, uh, very much still trying to navigate. And you think about those countries that we are now looking to partner with. So some of those human rights and ethical challenges will be absolutely forefront uh, in decision making. And how do you play that out with my fundamental belief that everybody, you know, that that social mobility is global. So how everyone should have access to education um, and in countries where there isn't capacity. Mm. How do we work to develop that even though they are going, you know, we are going to feel deeply uncomfortable in those spaces, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, no. uh, Yeah, and the fact that we as the institution feel uncomfortable let's not even you know go down to the level of the individual for whom they are now illegal for example or you know um yeah. as you say there is a there is an element of choice in the sense that you know a student has chosen to study somewhere or a university has chosen to set up somewhere and there is obviously that balance between as a university you are a guest in another country and you are of course beholden to the laws in that country i mean as you are to the quality frameworks there is and there is a huge tension um which often we come back to the, what we were starting with, you know, it's, we're just going to replicate and we're just going to run the degree. And something that Judith and I have been talking about and, and writing about in, in our, our latest book that'll be out um, fairly soon is this nature of a university's identity and where does it come from <clears throat> and how you align identity and branding and values. And so, you know, if a university comes from a certain community, in, in our case, where you're talking about the UK, and they come from a particular type of maybe industry setting or a particular type of community, and, and that historically links them, and that sets their identity and their values. And then when you export that to another country, <clears throat> are you exporting, you're exporting the quality of your degree and the reputation that comes with being a UK university, in, in our example, but are you also exporting the values? Because quite often the the country that wants your quality does not actively does not want your values, and yet, what does that do for the nature of the university? Because if if at home your values are tied to what your students can experience and what your staff can experience and what your community can experience, and, and you know the very essence of you abroad, well, what are you? What can you be? You know, or you know, what can you be privately and what can you be publicly? And and. That's a, you know, in terms of space and... Those things. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I, as you were talking, I was thinking, um, you know, mm. something like, I, I said I moved from Sydney to uh, Malaysia. And, um, you know, I was thinking maybe we could think about Sydney as the ultimate TNE venture. So, you know, centuries ago where... Uh, so my understanding, and, you know, whether this is a story or how true it is, I didn't. I didn't have the capacity to look into it in in detail when I lived there. But it, it was the it was the child of a convict being prevented access to Oxford that caused Sydney to be established. Mm. Um, and and Sydney is an absolute replica of Oxford, isn't it? You know, I I can remember walking through and okay, you know, I, I was in Oxford last week and thinking, God, I could almost. I could literally be stood in the quadrangle at Sydney. This feels like if the weather was better, I'd be in, I'd be in Sydney. So, mm. you know, reverse kind of replication for me because I know Sydney more than I know uh, Oxford. But we, we literally have taken and replicated forever, haven't we? Yeah. Taken and replicated. But it's, is it about making sure we only replicate what's best and right and fitting for that environment? And for me, it's about how do we... How do we 
effectively, you know, market, for want of a better word, that it is the academic quality, the rigour, the learning, the process that you want. They're the bits that you want when we take um, UK higher education overseas, but they're the only bits you really want, aren't they? The rest of it has to be contextual. Yeah. Um, and yet we're not very good. Those aren't the bits that we're good at marketing because they're more difficult to stick on a shiny poster or to put in a... It, 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 I think we have a job of work to do. And actually, sadly, I'm not sure that some of the current narrative in the, certainly in the UK around higher education yeah. and what it means to be it's helping us at all. No, no. You know, uh, the UK higher education, all of its facets is, is exceptional. Uh, and we're not selling that story yeah. well uh, in our artificial narratives, which are all based on funding. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the bit we have to get better at. And then we have to be able to take the best and make it better in a new environment and bring back our learning into the UK context. Yeah. That would be the ideal, wouldn't it? It would. And I mean, what I, the bit about my thesis I was most passionate about is the framework at the end. Because as, you know, as people who deliver and study, we can talk conceptually about this, but what does it really, what questions should we be asking ourselves before we think about new partnerships, new ventures? You know, what are we, what, what compromises on our values um, are we prepared to make and which compromises are we not prepared to make? And is our, as, is our council, is our ultimate governing body with us on that? Because there could be some really sticky stuff coming, <laughs> you know, so Know up front what your lines are. Know up front what what you're willing to you know to give and what you're not willing to give. I think is is really important because it's taking ground that are navigating those things quietly, having been put in the position, mm. um, not prepared for those really complex and challenging questions. Um, and I, you know, the other bit that I found fascinating is there was lots and lots of people said to me, you know, we, we just didn't tell the home campus about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You no, know, they wouldn't They have, wouldn't understand. Wouldn't yeah, yeah. They wouldn't have understood and they wouldn't have liked how we had to navigate that. So we just, just, you know, we just got on with it. Because you're in that situation, there's nothing else you can do. No. But having the conversations and connecting early on would mean that people, you know, had that resilience and backing. Um, uh, I think that's really important. Yeah, and I think on that uplifting note um uh, we, <laughs> we, we can uh, um because another five minutes and we'll go down another dark rabbit hole and so let's let, let's will, let's finish on the, on the hours, on the positive but um this has been this has been i mean uh, fascinating and 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 really really um really fun um thank you so much for for sharing your reflections and of course your expertise um it's it's taken me back to you know, a life before Dubai when I was uh, on a T&E campus. Yeah. And um, yeah, and it's always nice to hear that you weren't alone in having no clue what you were doing. Um, there were there were other people <laughs> just down the road who were muddling along at the same sort of pace. Um, uh, and as you say, the, the more we think about this, the more we, you know, the more we reflect, the more we plan, the more we share, the more we, you know, it's not going to be perfect because it, the, the model itself is simply doesn't allow for. I mean, it, it's impossible. You, you're trying to balance two <laughs> things that don't that don't match. So, you know, if we if we keep the students in mind and you know keep the goal, you know, student experience and the learning and 
and do what we can in service of that. Yeah. 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 And we do that, you know, I think we do that well on our home campuses. I think we increasingly do that well, Mm. you know, and um, we listen and we work and we co-create with our students. Um, We just need to make sure we're doing that, that co-creation, that co-learning piece uh, in those new environments. And I, you know, I still fundamentally believe that TIN is the right thing because of that social mobility piece, however difficult, however challenging. So that's the uplifting bit for me. We continue to support brilliant, brilliant, brilliant students in new environments. Um, Let's just do it better, really. Absolutely. Yes. Let's do it better. Yeah. Well... Thank, That's a joy to talk to you. Yeah, thank you very much. And hopefully you, um, you'll come back on uh, in, in due course, um, hopefully joined again by Judith, who will have um, much more intelligent <laughs> questions than, than I do, where I'm just rambling about what I did on a Tuesday five years ago in Malaysia. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that'll, that'll be a... <laughs> I tell you what, not, how nice to remember, though. You know, I, I, I transported back there for a moment. Um, yeah. You know, and just the the... Uh, still my favourite, favourite, favourite role of my career. You know, it, it's such a privilege, isn't it? You, you feel you're doing something um, innovative and exciting and um, and that you're giving in a way that is tangible and real and you see and you touch your students' uh, lives every day. Uh, and on the big UK campuses, we see a lot less of that, don't we? We do, yeah, yeah. Just the scale um, prevents that. Yeah. Um, but yes, it's a, you know, however stressful it can be and confusing it can be, I, I think, um, you know, time on a branch campus is an excellent internship experience for any anybody from the, yeah. the home campus. <laughs> you, you get a greater appreciation yeah. for, you know, what, what things, what they can be like and exactly as you say, how, how much good you can do um, and how much, you know, impact you can have. Um, yeah, so that's fantastic. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank um, you, and uh, thank you for your thank time. You, thank you. And hopefully, we'll get to to chat again, to chat again soon.